This week's episode of This Is Only A Test is brought to you by Stitcher Premium. Stitcher Premium gets you completely ad-free episodes of hundreds of shows like Comedy Bang Bang, WTF with Mark Maron, and How Did This Get Made? You also get 21,000 hours of exclusive content and new exclusive originals like Marvel's Wolverine and Issa Rae's Fruit are launching every week for Stitcher Premium members. If you love podcasts, you should check it out. When you listen to ad-free episodes in Stitcher Premium, your favorite podcasters also get paid. Help support your favorite shows and join Stitcher Premium today. And for a free month of listening, go to stitcherpremium.com and use the promo code TEST. Hey, let's start the show. For Thursday, May 24th, 2018, welcome to This Is Only a Test, the official podcast of Tested.com. Right. <laughs> Look at that fucking squirrel on my bird feeder. And then suddenly, the Enterprise D's bridge. You know, one of these days, not soon from now, not too far from now, we could... Mm-hmm. Do that intro and fade into being on the Enterprise D's bridge. Oh, in Star Trek Bridge Crew. I don't have that game for PlayStation VR. It's gonna come out on PC. The update. I can't wait that long, Norm. Well, that's why I said not too far from now. Can we build can in we, the near future? Can we build a Picard chair uh, to sit in that while we play? It's a lot of soft what? weather. Did weather. it come out on PSVR first? It's coming out. No, it's PS- PSVR first. First, oh. and then on the other platforms. <laughs> The early reviews are not that great, though. I don't care. I'm worried. I want to sit look, in the chair. The first game's not great either, but it's fun. Yeah. Uh, you heard that intro. You heard that sound, which means that we got a Smithcast this yeah. week. Yeah. Joining us, joining Jeremy Williams. Greetings. And me is Will Smith. Hey, Norman, Norman and Jeremy. How are you guys doing? <laughs> hey. Hey. Starting off a great start. Doing all right. How are you doing, Will? I'm doing great. I'm really excited. I just learned... Uh, I I read something very interesting moments ago about, well, okay, I have two things to say about this. One is that I read a story yesterday. I was like, a Marvel director uh, said that Watchmen Ultimate is his favorite comic book movie, which is fair. I think Watchmen Ultimate is a fine adaptation of one of the best graphic novels of all time. Uh, but I was trying to figure out which Marvel director it was because I couldn't remember. And the first eight stories, I think, on Google when I search Marvel director, Watchmen, favorite comic book movie, have the headline. They have the little blurb. None of them actually list the director until you got down, uh, all the way down mm-hmm. to Screen Rant. Mm-hmm. So props to Screen Rant for putting this in the first paragraph. It's uh, Scott Derrickson who directed Doctor Strange. Oh, yeah, which cool. makes sense because like those, I can see a visual, kind of a kind of a visual. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, theme mm-hmm. between those two films. Mm-hmm. What's your second thing? That was that was both of them. Oh, that One is that a Marvel them. director likes Watchmen. Okay. The other is it, that it everybody buries the fucking lead. Got it. And you can't find it like th- like that. Like all I need is the headline. Scott Derrickson likes Watchmen. Got it. It wasn't cool. in the headline. Uh, hey. There's only one movie I can think about right now. Yeah, we're not talking about Watchmen for a little bit. We're going to talk about our top story. Deadpool this week. two. <laughs> top story this week. Deadpool two. <laughs> Story this week. <laughs> it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. Well, oh man, that's all sorts a good one. of surprises. Wow! So new bumpers. 
No, unfortunately, Deadpool 2, still haven't seen it. Uh, I'm really looking forward to watching it. I think I'm going to watch it on Friday. Um, Friday. While many of you will probably be out there watching the movie I think Jeremy's talking about. Solo. Solo. A, a Star, Star Wars, Wars story. story. Now, did Rogue One say that in the title? Yes. So, uh, from my recollection, when uh, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy, uh, announced that they were going to do these in-between films, between episodes 7, 8, and 9, they originally called them... Um, Tweeners. A, a anthology. Oh. Star Wars anthology movies. Standalone movies um, that may not have sequels, may or may not. Uh, and Rogue One, of course, was the first one. I think they had an un- uh, one that, uh, ooh, what's the guy? Josh Trank was working on. Uh, that was supposed to be a Boba Fett film. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. got, and then he was let go by uh, Lucasfilm. And uh, so far, every Solo, director well, they that worked on one of these anthology yeah. films has gotten. You know, run out of town in some way, shape, or form. That's true. And Solo, a Star Wars story. uh, I think Rogue One did have a Star Wars story. But Solo, a Star Wars story, comes out today, if you're listening to this, on Thursday. And if some parts of the world is already out. Many people have seen it. The reviews are out. The premiere was last week in L.A. They had a giant built-up version of the Millennium Falcon on the red carpet. Uh, We got a Star Wars movie in the summer, folks. This is very exciting. Like the good old days, right? Yeah. Yeah. you guys Ooh. saw it. I don't think Rogue One had that in the title. Oh, it's just Rogue One? Ah, it looks like somebody posted it to really? YouTube. Yep. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Could be new going oh, forward. I, I don't mm. think it says a Star Wars story on the on Tid- the title card. That's what I meant. Oh, oh, oh. oh yeah. okay. Like, but on the poster and stuff, it said Ro- uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yes. The was answer there, is yes. Is there, the, we no, did see it. So there's no crawls on the anthology. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. How much do you, Will Smith, you are the avatar for everyone listening I right want to know nothing. I got right? tickets for so, Friday night. I'm not. I don't want to hear. I like. Look, you're if Chewbacca dies questions. at the end. I don't want to know. Let's let's set this up. We're not going to go into spoilers. Obviously, uh, we're not even going into any major plot details or beats. But what we can talk about is the critical reception around the film so far, and uh, the reviews, and just the, the hype leading up to it, and what people have known from trailers, for example. You know who's awesome? Donald Glover. <laughs> in, in general, uh, absolutely. Yeah, Donald Glover. In general, totally like, awesome. Totally yes. awesome. That's He's true. the best. Yeah, consistent. No, from from yeah. the Martian to Atlanta to mm-hmm. uh, gal- Galaxy, long time ago and far, far away. He's yeah. the best. No spoiler there. No spoiler. Yeah. Uh, you asked a question. You 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 made a statement. Well, that you said Star Star Wars anthology films don't have opening crawls, and yeah, that was the case with with World Rogue One. Called for sure. it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, is that I don't want to know. Solo? I don't want to know. I'll find out on Friday. You'll find out on Friday. Don't say it. If you say anything, I'm going to get up. Jeremy texted me this morning at like 9 o'clock. He was like, hey, can you come in for a podcast? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but it, my condition is that there's no solo spoilers. You don't even know hits in it. <laughs> no. I just I just, I just, put that one out there up front. Do you want to know if we liked it? No. Really? No. I want to go in cold. Do you want to know what our expectations were going into it? You, do you know what the reviews have been? Have you? No, I have ra- not. I have not looked at anything. You, no, you don't know about the I haven't seen the trailer. I haven't looked what? at Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't read tweets. Do you know that Han Solo is in the film? That's not me. That's Will Smith. That's do you, not do me. You, do you know that, uh, that it's weird. a movie about Han Solo? <laughs> do you know that Chewie's Wait, I thought it was about Chewie's those red cups. Yeah. No. Did you see that they did a crossover? Yeah, they a tie-in did. Yeah. with the, the red co- solo cups. Yeah, I think a very I, I, good. Co-branding. If they had not done it, it would have been a missed opportunity. Yeah, the biggest missed opportunity. <laughs> Look, I know that Chewbacca's in it. I know that Lando is Donald Glover. You've seen the movie, and poster. I know that somebody that doesn't look like Han Solo is playing Han Solo. Well, it's an impossible task. Yes, 
He's a very recognizable actor. I can't wait to talk about this. But so, we, if we're not going to talk about it, let's not waste time on it. I do want to talk about. Here, I want to talk around you've it. You've got to control yourself. Here's the thing. Here's the thing that I feel about Star Wars anthology movies, and I loved Rogue One. Like coming, like even if I wasn't friends with Gary, I would have loved Rogue One because I think mm. it was a really interesting story. Yep. did something new for the franchise. Totally, it was really well told. Many people like that more than Last Jedi. <laughs> I, those people are wrong, but whatever. <laughs> what I mean, look, are you? You you love Last, Last Jedi? Last Jedi is a phenomenal film. You like Last Jedi? I think Last Jedi is the best Star Wars film. I think Rogue One is very high on the list. You well, mean we got? Have we not today. talked about this? You no. mean of the new ones? No, of all of them. Oh, goodness. Goody, goody. I mean, it's definitely better than any of the prequels. It's better than Jedi. Yeah, I watched, I watched Revenge of the Sith recently, and no. it was unbearable. No, that's a, those are bad movies. Really bad. Like, even... even Anyway, yeah, we don't need to relitigate the prequels. Everybody agrees. <laughs> yeah, no. But here's Absolutely. the thing. I think that The Last Jedi does something that is very needed. Mm -hmm. we, we talked about this at length on, on yep. Subtitle. We don't need yeah. to get into it. It, it does something that was needed for the franchise. The problem with Star Wars is that it is moribund. The rules set by George Lucas in the first film are incredibly limiting if they want to go full Marvel Cinematic Universe with Star Wars. And they needed to open up that universe some. The problem with these anthology movies is that they're just going back and filling in the dead, the, the air. Which that is was why left in the I universe. think Rogue One was so refreshing, was because Rogue One, even though technically it filled in some story gaps, it was all new characters. Well, except for Tark Tarkin and Leia. And, right, the the know, main cast, yeah. the protagonists yeah. were all new characters, and they were all expendable, and there was no pretense that it would be their story continuing on. It yeah. was a moment in time, and it, I think, made the original trilogy better it made episode four better knowing the sacrifice and and it did it did the fan service and it brought something new and had memorable characters k2so um cassian andor uh the the monk guy yes donnie yen, donnie yen. Yeah. yeah i felt like rogue one was the first one of the disney movies that took itself seriously in in a way that you didn't throw in a bunch of so, cute, cute CG rendered jokes that you know were just thrown in just to make the kids laugh. So here's the thing: Star Wars has never been serious. It, well, okay, the prequels were serious. If you wanted some serious Star Wars movies, <laughs> go enjoy Attack of the Clones. That's melodrama. Oh my yeah. god! Yeah, I mean there's there's some slapstick moments in the prequels with R two D two. And, and there's a yeah the and tongue previous. yeah the, and Jar Jar the, Binks the, obviously. The humor in the prequels is bad. Um. And many people would say that about, I think, the humor in the new films. Well, that's fine. They, they can A difference say that. in opinion. Here, my, my point is this. Uh, for, for Rogue One, there was no expectation, even going into it, that these characters would have new franchises on themselves. It wasn't like they were doing the Rebels films or the right. Clone Wars films. And they were introducing a new cast of characters that would have these serialized stories. Uh, with Solo, is the expectation going in that this is going to be the definitive Han Solo origin story and you don't need to see any more? Or does this open the door for a series of let's fill in more gaps with young Han Solo? They're going to look, you don't cast Donald Glover as Lando Calrissian. Donald Glover wasn't the wasn't wasn't in Spider-Man Homecoming as a cameo. Right. You don't bring somebody in like that if you don't intend to make more movies with that person. Wow. Good pull. Yeah. Good pull. Nice. I mean, he's young Miles Morales, right? No, no, he's uncle. Oh, okay. He's the uncle of Miles Morales. Well, okay. Almost, almost good pull. I was close. Nearly. You're I, close. I was like 90% there, and then so I close. whiffed right at the so last close. minute. Yeah. Uh, I had no idea you felt this way about Last Jedi, and this affects our friendship. <laughs> We've talked about this before. You've you just blocked it from your have. memory. Just, just take, take it to badminton, folks. 
I, I Look, can't. Jeremy, I can't even settle fathom. this on the court. I feel like I'm being punked. Jeremy, I want to sit down and watch this movie with you and explain why I think it is a, a phenomenal movie. Last Jedi. Yes. God. It is. It is an incredibly well built film. Let's get back to the movie yeah. at hand. For Solo, Will, as someone who knows that obviously it's not Harrison Ford playing Han Solo. Yeah. Uh, can the movie survive? If if it's not if Han isn't good, remember when River Phoenix played young Harrison Ford in The Last Crusade? Yep, yeah, that was really good for some people and really bad for most people. So you think it's gonna be divisive? I think it's going to be divisive. You think? And I, I, think you I, take I agree. An iconic, one of the most iconic characters of the 20th century. Yeah, and you recast it as somebody that nobody's ever heard of because they don't want to pay real rates for the actor. Well, I think nobody's ever heard of is is a, a good thing. I think Maybe. unknown's a good thing. I, I don't know. You don't Sometimes have any any of the baggage. It's, it's great. not Shia LaBeouf. It's it's great for uh, it's great been was great for Ray and was terrible for young Anakin. It was good for Harrison Ford. Uh, yeah. Well, Harrison Ford had been in movies at that point. He, he he was a failing actor. He wasn't an unknown actor. And then this guy was. I think American Graffiti was his debut. Right, right. I mean that's that's what I'm saying is he was in American Graffiti and then Star Wars and yeah. then you know he became one of the most bankable actors of the of the century. I will say that one of the the benefits of Lucasfilm doing these anthology series is that they can get um, directors to have fresh takes on just the universe. Right, Star Wars is a fantasy universe. It's not really science fiction. It's more science fiction fantasy. And when George Lucas made, made the original trilogy, a lot of what he did in Episode Four was inspired by uh, Kurosawa films, right? Hidden Fortress. Mm -hmm. um, which were also inspired by when Kurosawa made those uh, spaghetti westerns, right? There's a there's the the, the, the callbacks to everything to is government. referential, Ex exactly. Yes. So it's a chance for new filmmakers to take established universes and world build on their own in their own little corner and apply their own styles, which I think was why a lot of people were excited when Chris Miller, Phil Lord were picked up, the directors of Lego uh, Movie and also 21 Jump Street, mm -hmm. um, to, to do a solo. Now, with the upheaval and those directors being let go, and the variety has a huge story about the behind the scenes of what happened, and the general sense is that they... Uh, took too much time with their directing. They relied too much on improvisation, and the shoots were getting out of hand. And they needed people who, who were to make decisions. They needed directors to have a, a vision. Yeah. And so they brought in Ron Howard, who directed on instinct. You'll read a lot about how he shot from the hip in directing this. And is that exciting though? Because Ron Howard is just is, is I mean, while he's like a Spielbergian character and a director um, in in Hollywood, you kind of know what you're going to get when you watch a Ron I, Howard movie. Look, I love Apollo 13. Like, it is a phenomenal and You film. love those Dan Brown films? I can't remember the last Ron Howard movie I watched that wasn't Apollo 13. Wow. Rush? <laughs> no. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that tempered the excitement for a lot of people. I, it, Ron I, Howard seems very safe. Dude, I don't think anybody outside of 1% knows Ron Howard directed this movie. That's, I, also, I, that's also a weird it's thing. It's a Star Wars Star movie. Wars is so big... That where whereas a Ron Howard film would be, would have been top billing, you're watching a Ron Howard yeah. film. This is you're watching a Han Solo film. By the way, it was directed by one of the greatest directors of our generation. So so here's the here's the the thing that I the interesting thing that Disney's done with Marvel is that they've taken this genre superheroes and then they've broken it out and they've done basically mashup films. So they did like. You know, you, they did your space opera with Guardians. They did a magic myst Eastern mysticism movie with Doctor Strange. They did a buddy uh, road trip movie with Thor. 
They did with Ragnarok. They did, you know, they they've been uh, they did a spy thriller with Winter Soldier. And I don't think we've seen that in the main the core Star Wars films because they have to follow the rules that were established by George Lucas. They shouldn't do that with them. I mean, the main Star Wars movies are space opera meets uh, samurai, wandering samurai movies, right? That's that's the that's the mashup that already exists in that world. But with Rogue One, they made a they made a war movie, right? Like that was really interesting to me. I I hope that this is a buddy road trip movie or a heist movie or. You know, some sort of other genre. Ant-Man is a heist movie in the Marvel Universe, and it works really well. It's really fun. Like, I hope that that's what they do with these movies. But I, it feels like they're still feeling their legs. And also the cadence of the Star Wars movies being annual rather than two or three a year means that, that, that it, 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 you know, they have fewer chances. So they have to take fewer risks. Every which is why we see Ron Howard. A billion yeah. dollars. Yeah. yeah. All right, look, when I, I, I have a tremendous respect for you. At, at the foundation of our relationship here. And now I have this, I have to contend with this l tremendous lack of respect. And they're battling one another <laughs> oh, no. over, over your feelings about the last what, what, what but, did, did you not like so, that Luke was an old grumpy man? I don't even understand like what perspective you're going into this movie with. But I, I, wish, I do wish you luck. I hope you like it. I, I really do. And here's my advice to everybody is that when you go to, see, when I go to see a Star Wars film, and we may differ at this point, mm -hmm. but I have a budget of forgiveness that I'm willing to give the film. Whoa. Not a budget of forgiveness? Yes. Wow, that's really self-entitled. You're really entitled, Jeremy. Ever, ever since episode one, you've needed this. Ever since the freaking remakes, you've needed you're this. You're like five bad lines and I'm at five bad moments <laughs> Look, and I'm out. Like, no, at first, like I had no budget. And then I wasn't enjoying the films. But now it's like when you see a cute CG thing come on the screen and it shouldn't be there and it's just there for comic relief, you got to like throw some of your budget at it. And you got to say, okay, Don't I'll, put for on a I'll forgive that. Wow. Let's move There's forward. This, the point spread. <laughs> So you and then you got you know Han shot first might cost a dollar, you know that's <laughs> yeah, like that's okay. not a quarter. I mean, that's fair. That's like that's yeah. a lot. You're asking a lot. Like Jar Jar is unforgivable. Can, can the movie make up for that? And with, that, by having uh, amazing moments, can it can can you can it build the budget back up? You can only for, you can only enjoy those moments by forgiving these atrocities. No, See, no I, that's atrocities. How I feel. So well, whatever, maybe Whoa, they're Lord. not atrocities. Like Han shot first, yes, atrocity. But there are smaller things that you have to forgive in order to enjoy the movie. And and I found that I needed about a dollar to forgive Han Solo. So it, it's it's pretty good in my opinion. Wait, wait, wait. A dollar meaning uh, of forgiveness. So but every mistake is a quarter? Don't go in hoping for like the perfect film. Empire Strikes Back because it, there's you're going to have to forgive. It's still freaking Disney. So, so this is where you and I differ because when I go into any movie I go in looking for one thing. Am I not entertained? And, and like I'm not bringing my personal baggage into Star Wars. I'm going in I want to see what like if you take Ryan Johnson who's one of the greatest living directors and you give him this multi-billion dollar franchise mm -hmm. I want to see what he does with it. I want to. I want him to take me someplace I've never been before. Mm -hmm. um, and in that case, the J.J. Abrams one was boring because it did the same thing that I'd seen before, just with new people, yeah. which is fine. I mean, it's what he needed to do, I guess. I I want to be entertained, and I want to see something that I've not seen before. I can't I, wait. To, I can't wait to hear what you think. Well, I can't wait for the Star Wars film that you can fully enjoy without having seen any other Star Wars film. I think Rogue One is actually that film. I don't. I, I think there are parts. I think majority of it is, but the such the so many of the big moments with Vader at the end, Death Star, obviously Tarkin, Leia, all that stuff are f fan servicey and and lean on uh, the anticipation that people have for revisiting the that pre episode four world and, the, and that um, pre new trilogy world. Uh, 
I, we're, I think we're going to get that. I mean, with, with John Favreau and Ryan Johnson establishing new trilogies and new, new TV shows outside of the main Star Wars canon in the Star Wars universe, um, I, 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 know, and I know you see a lot of that in Clone Wars and Rebels and that kind of stuff, but the one benefit of us getting infinite Star Wars content from Disney <laughs> and infinite money to spend at it is that they're going to finally, hopefully, be able to tell stories that you don't need to... Yeah, bank have, on have the original trilogy and blasters and X-wings yeah. that don't rely on you yeah. knowing who Luke Skywalker is. Yep. Okay. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit about Maker Fair? Yeah, that's the other thing. Uh, another big story this week. Uh, we did a little bit of recap on that on uh, Stone Title, but I want to hear about your perspective, Jeremy. You were at Maker Fair. Yeah. What'd you get to see? Yeah, I went. The thing to do at Maker Fair is to go as early as possible because the crowds keep filling in and apparently never stop getting denser and denser. So I I was there at opening and I loved it. Yeah, I loved it. I'd never seen it like that. It's so wonderful to walk through those buildings and not be crowded with people and to get people. You know, if you want to see something, you got the maker's attention and you can engage with them. Um, I saw a ping pong table. Ooh! Unlike any ping pong table. Was this a digital one? Well, there were certainly digital components. It was. It was uh, like the Bee Gees. If they if there was a ping pong table in the Bee Gees music video, right? Okay. This was staying alive. A disco table. It was a six by six grid of LED uh, squares on either side of the of the table that would light up when the ball would hit the squares and then animate around Ooh, the spot, like make splashes and stuff. Yeah, oh, well, they would light up. And he had four different modes that he's programmed into it, so that when the ball hits it, then maybe they extinguish, and you you have to extinguish Break all out. of your opponent's how squares. How is he? How is he? Pro- how is he detecting? It's where brilliant. The ball is? Is we it we have a video coming tracker? out. Yep. We have a video coming out at some point, but it's, it's he used uh, piezo, uh, which are usually buzzers, but yeah. you can use them on the inverse to receive voltage, and he put oh. four of them on either corner of each side, and then he triangulates the sound. So when the ball hits the table, he sees how long it takes for the sound to hit all four buzzers. And that's how he knows where the ball is. And he knows where the ball it's hit. Not, right? It's not haptic on the panel itself. No. So he doesn't know where the ball starts. He just knows where it impacts the table each which time. Which is all you need. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. It's I was really I was cool. expecting you to have like a motion sensor above exactly. it. Exactly, yeah. like that would be the the radar obvious way to do it. No, it's he, called Taplo. He did it with like ten dollars of parts. That's amazing. So that means really you can cool. add it onto your existing. Well, you need a screen though or a projector. He has LEDs built into the table. He's gonna huh. market the thing. So how how does it affect the play of the game though? Because if it has a screen. Then the surface is going to be a little it's smoother. It's acrylic, and it's by the edges of the table, mm-hmm. the ball bounces like a normal table. He actually did a regulation check. So there's a regulation height. The ball should bounce at a certain – if you drop it from a okay. certain height. And it bounces at the correct height. But the, the surface the friction edges, is still going to be uh, – But in the center, it, there's is a little give. Too smooth. As um, someone who's played a little bit of table, table tennis. tennis, Jeremy, yeah. did you feel that your, your spins – was <laughs> were reacting? I I to the was table? I wasn't spinning too much, but I I did notice that you needed to hit it a bit harder if you're mm. aiming towards the center to get it to bounce up. Yeah. Mm. So the physics are maybe a little bit different. And also when we played it, what we quickly realized that it's more of a, for the spectators' uh, enjoyment because you know while the lights are pretty, once you get into a game of, of ping pong or you know a rally, yeah. you're not looking at the lights. No, I, I think that's because we didn't know the rules. Oh, about uh, the, the the mini games, yeah, the custom exactly. games of exactly. like, going for blackout and yeah. And I thought it was just a spectacle to begin with. Yeah, um, but it was very cool. I, this, that's typical Maker Fair 
greatness. It seems like it could be something that you use also for like skill training. Like if you want to learn how to aim your shots under pressure, then oh, it's you know, a good point. You use breakout, and maybe you get points for yeah. getting in the correct area. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting idea. And I finally met uh, Joseph Prusa, who who runs oh, uh, awesome. You know the three D company, the three yeah. D printing company out of Prague. Um, I've been using his printers for a year now, and I was able to thank him for the great That's work awesome. he's done. You have a, a Mark III. I do. And at Maker Fair, Prusa was showing off their new Mark III multi-material uh, upgrade. Now, Jeremy, you and Sean had built the multi-material upgrade for the Mark II. Well, the version one. The which, version one, yeah, yeah. which is four, uh, the four different types of filament. That's right. And four different extruders, uh, or four motors. It's a, But it's also a Bowden system. So, so the... Filament gets extruded by these motors that are far away from the print head. Right. Oh, and then you run them through one of those channels. Exactly, like a multiplexer. Okay. So the head can be lighter and move faster. Is that yes, it? but the problem is you need to do these like huge four millimeter retractions for mm. every time that the filament retracts, and so it does end up affecting the quality of the print. Blobby. So the new version not only um, not only supports five filaments, Ooh. but it's also direct drive, so it feeds it into the standard extruder, so you get the full quality of oh. a Mark III but with four filaments. And only Five. two motors. That's interesting. Because it's, it's actually moving along the, it's neat. The, 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 uh, the axis, along like the, the channels where the filaments are coming in and then pushing it into the extruder. Yeah. Uh, then Joe stopped by here uh, yeah. the next day and said he'd love to come back later in the year for some kind of video content. That'd be a lot of oh, fun. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Definitely going to do that. Uh, Dremel is also there. Uh, Dremel showing off their first uh, desktop home use uh, hobbyist laser cutter. Yeah, they bought um, they bought a company, right? Well, they're partnering with um, uh, with Full Spectrum Laser. Okay. So Full Spectrum has the Muse uh, laser cutter, which is a tube laser, much like the Glowforge is, I believe, a forty watt tube. And uh, this is the Dremel version of that. So they took the hardware and did their own software, did their own customization, uh, and uh, it will be out later this year. So we have a video of that um, also coming out soon. They did a really smart thing at Maker Fair, I thought, which was you know they obviously they they have a three D printer, they have now a laser cutter, and they have the rotary tools and they designed a giant booth where people would watch acrylic pieces being cut on the laser cutter you wait in line and you get to take this acrylic tag and then take it to a dremel station and then use the uh the rotary tool to write your name with it on, on it oh, oh, that's so like cool. you would be using different parts of the different parts from each of their tools to have something to take home that's and cool. so lots of kids were doing that um what are the things? Uh, Sean Thorson was there with some some cool armor. He uh, he had some new Fallout armor and Ed uh, was there too. And oh, Ed two hundred nine. Yep, yeah. Ed two hundred nine was there. Um, so we chatted with them. Oh gosh, there's so many things at Maker Fair. Did we, did we talk about the foam bubbles, the helium, the helium bubbles, bubbles on yeah. still titled? Yeah. Oh, like, so those were helium bubbles. Oh my god, yeah. that thing was so cool. Like it was it was such a, a well executed, simple thing. The bubble sculptures. The bubble sculptures. So they they had helium. They had a helium bubble plate, and they were um, mixing air and helium, so they didn't waste a ton of helium, obviously. And those were forcing the bubbles up through this box, and then there was a. a a form at the top, almost like a Play-Doh Play Fun Factory type thing mm -hmm. that would shape the bubbles. They would hold their structure because of the bubble mixture they use, and they could cut them with a PVC, and they'd just float up. When you say bubbles, it, it, this was more like a thick foam. It was, a, you it know, was thousands of bubbles. I mean, it was a very dense yeah. bubble matrix, but they held their shape. <laughs> bubble matrix. They held their yeah, – well, I mean, when you're in the bubble matrix, you have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen. Uh, they held their shape incredibly well. Yeah, I just saw them flying around, and I said, is that a star? It looked like stars, and like they had Mario shapes, stars yeah, and right. mushrooms and stuff like that. Very cool stuff. Uh, we also saw the folks at Looking Glass. They're the people who are 
Dream of making holograms. They have like five different products. They, they first started with like an LED cube, you know, like a four by four, and then an eight by eight. And what's interesting is that each product of theirs is not necessarily an iteration on the last. No, they're just like let's find ways to have volumetric imagery. Yeah. Right. I think their very first product was like slices of a uh, of images like cast in resin or something. It's a static photo that's now in three D. Uh, and and uh, recently they've had a lot of they, I think they did a crowdfunding campaign for their Hollow Player One, which is like a Pepper's Ghost style effect, uh, and they showed something new uh, this year that was like a hologram inside a, a resin block, which is the same technology as the, the, the Hollow Player One, except the viewing area, the volume is itself like a giant block of, of plastic, and you can see like a video, a three D character inside of it, and it looked really really good. Um, so we'll have them come by the office when they're ready to launch that. And cool. And chat about that. Uh, there's so much more stuff from Maker Faire uh, that we shot videos of. Adam, of course, did his annual uh, Sunday sermon. Watch it. It's amazing. Um, and he took a bunch of Q&A, and we'll have that on the site as well. Uh, I fell in love with trains, miniature trains, and, <laughs> and the folks who were showing off their, their miniature trains. They're very cool. They're super, super cool. There was an actual coal-powered Model train. Yes. Oh, there's a whole steam. bunch of them. Yeah, steam trains, all scratch built, I believe, uh, with all the valves and all the piping and, and everything. They, they have to, kits. They too. had to import their coal, though, from w Wales, Wales or somebody. Yeah. Because that's the cleanest coal in the world. It's the only one that would work with their, with their system. Well, as Will quick to point out, there is no such thing as clean coal. Well done. Sanctioned sir. coal. Well, sanction. I think we all learned something here. Yeah. Look, <laughs> The Last Jedi is a great movie. I'm glad we all agree. Let's move on. Uh, and uh, if you saw some cool stuff at Maker Faire, uh, thanks to everyone who said hi, by the way. We've met a lot of really cool, a uh, lot, of, lot of great fans. And uh, some of you folks out there brought projects like helmets with LED stuff. Like, it looks nice, wearable, cool tech. Cause, um, oh, the thing we didn't talk about in the title was the prosthesis. Did you talk? Did you see the the giant walking robot? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, we talked yeah. about it a little bit. I watched it actually run on the at the end of the day on Saturday, on the, Sunday on their last thing. They got it running, not uh, well operating. I saw it operate on. So Sunday. operate. I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it a run. They broke a hip flexor. I saw that. Um, and then they worked on it all the rest of the day, and they got it back up by like three o'clock on Sunday, and we we sat there and watched them, like do their their exercises basically, and it moved maybe ten feet, and then it broke the hip flexor again. Oh, yeah. It lumbered. It lumbered. It's terrifying. And it turned. You can. I was going to say, it is, yeah. it is horrifying. Legit, like, my daughter was super into it. She was like, this is really cool, Dad. And I was like, this is the fucking scariest thing I've you ever seen. You could hear it. how heavy it is like, like, when, it, when every time a foot landed on the asphalt. Yeah. Well, when, I, when they were talking about how it works, because it's all hydraulic, like a direct line from the person who's buckled in all four limbs. Mm -hmm. uh, I, like, I was just thinking, what if there's blowback on the hydraulics or something? And like. Can this just rip his arm off? No, if no, it goes no bad? feedback. Oh, no, there's no, no feedback. No. Okay. What's the point of having him actually pilot from inside the bot? Why not have it an well, exterior thing so that when the bot dies, he can control a, a second it, one? Because his art project is that he wants to feel the augmentation. I mean, the goal the is to make the Ripley exoskeleton from Aliens. It's right? better spectacle. I get that, but yeah. I just think from a practical standpoint, it's not. It, the, nothing about it is practical. <laughs> there is yeah. absolutely nothing about it. Practical. They don't use any like, stabilization. It is meant to be difficult to operate. Because he wants people to learn how to use it, he wants to learn how to yeah. use they it. They wanted to have to a high skill good. ceiling. Exactly. Yeah. He, he was talking about like the ultimate running gate being the gorilla gate. Yeah. Right. He talked about that yeah. in our demo too. But he's standing vertically. Yeah. He's not hunched over, mm -hmm. so he's kind of moving his he's, he's vertical, moving his arms and legs, and then he has a move in a cadence where he can have at least you know two of his feet on the ground did, at once. Did you do a video with them? Yeah. 
so I'm the thing I was interested in was how like why would they strap him in in a vertical orientation yeah. if they want to mimic the gorilla gate? Why not have him lay down on his stomach and yep. do it that I, way? I, I talked about that because it's not a perfect gorilla gate. It's actually backwards. the The joints on the legs yeah are reversed, so it's not like crawling on so your they, feet. So they've all. designed it to be intentionally difficult. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. I, like it's it seems like a thing that like you could jam into a neural network and figure out the running algorithm really nope. fast and just like have motors that do that for you but yeah here we are eight thousand pounds of of moving mech it's really like the gouges that that thing put in the parking lot at maker fair very impressive yeah Oh my goodness, half hour into the podcast and we're just getting the pop culture. All right, let's go through this relatively quickly. Speed uh, round. Last week we talked about The Expanse and uh, sci-fi um, ceasing production or canceling The Expanse, uh, but the production company behind it, Alcon, was looking for new suitors and they may have found one. Uh, Amazon is reportedly interested in uh, um, distributing season four of The Expanse. It's not a done deal yet, so the show isn't quite saved, but there is hope. And just like um, last week we saw Brooklyn Nine-Nine get saved by NBC, uh, we hopefully, I think, Expanse uh, will find a new home on a network because um, it's a really great show. Cool. What about the Lego movie? Do I get another one of those? We do get another Lego movie. Uh, it's not going to be directed by the, the same directors that we talked about with Chris Miller for Lord, um, but they are writing it. And oh. we have now a poster for the Lego movie, and it is a clever name. It's called Lego Movie 2. The second part. I think it's good. Nice. It's, it's, and it's kind of adding on so that it, the logo is, of course, built out of Lego. It's adding on to that aesthetic. This is the movie that fooled me. I thought it was actually stop motion. I, I Like macro photography? Yeah. I thought it was like an ex- extraordinarily expensive. <laughs> it was an extraordinarily expensive <laughs> stop motion movie. It would be <laughs> super, super expensive. Um, so that's coming out, I believe, uh, next year. Lego Every Batman was really decades. good. Uh, Ninjago, not so much. Ninjago's fine. Ninjago was very much more of a kids' movie. Yeah. Whereas Lego Movie and Lego Batman were both. I've watched all of these movies a lot at this point. Yeah. Um, like those were very like Lego Batman, especially is like a perfect four quadrant movie. Like there's something there for everyone. I think. Nice. Unless you hate Batman. Unless you hate Batman. Um, Star Wars Land at Disneyland uh, and Disney World. I guess they're calling it Galaxy's Edge. Now has tentative opening seasons dates it's going to open in uh anaheim first next summer summer Woo-hoo! 2019 Woo-hoo! yeah right. which is going to be ahead of the release of episode nine i thought wow. they would time it closer to that do you Wait. think it's going to be called episode nine galaxy's edge no what do you th- is episode nine scheduled for december i believe it's scheduled for december okay i, I thought it was may but it, no way I think it's May. I don't know. I thought that after this one, they were trying to go back. Yeah, they're to trying a, to summer it out. Uh, episode schedule. nine is December twentieth, twenty nineteen. Okay, there, there you go. go. It's for Christmas. God, I, do you even want to go anywhere near Galaxy's Edge for the first couple of years? Unless I get like it's going to be so crowded. I, I want to go to that like cool hotel day. where you pay a million that's dollars a night. That's Florida, and I'll that's go not going to be for a couple of years. Oh, yeah, and that's going to be super expensive. Look, I'm saving maybe now. a coupon day. I mean, coupon day. That's the yeah. West World of Star Wars. Exactly. They'll have one day a, week, a year where they you let the pores you, in. You you can't have sex with the robots yeah. though. That's, that's that's not that's not recommended. Sorry, sorry, three PO. Yeah, uh, oh, it's gonna be such a big deal. 
Yeah. They'll make so much money. Have you either of you ever done the May 4th events at Disneyland? No. I think May 4th is kind of a marketing bullshit well, gimmick. Not kind of. It is. Yeah. I mean, kind 100% of. is. Well, it started out as a community joke. And then, right. and now then they co opted it. Yeah. yeah. They yeah. ruined it. I, I love seeing Fox like every year try uh, LV426 and, and try to try to do that as a as a day as well. On, what's, on, what's, on, what, what month is LV? No, it's April. April 20, oh, April, April 26th. Yeah. I want to know the, 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 the weed day. I want to know the pro strategy for seeing Galaxy's Edge as early like, as possible. You got to be real famous. What if, <laughs> you got to get real famous. You got two years, Jeremy. You got to be in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> yeah, be in a Star Wars movie. You got to be in a works. Star Wars movie. You can maybe write um, one. The best thing to do is get a job at Disneyland that does the night shift mm. for installing new things. Because Disneyland, when it shuts down mm. at what is it, 11 p.m. or midnight for, for guests, uh, after everyone leaves, all the lights come on again, yep. and then the night crew comes in, the gnomes come in, and, and reset the day. Right. So if you want to see the, the rides and see the show, get a job at Disneyland doing the night shift. Or, or Jeremy, you could be like an Amidala cosplay. Like you could do that and be like their their uh, Natalie Portman alike. Why'd you go to Amidala? What what, what are you doing? Pick the one I, I picked the character I thought you most. Uh, <laughs> wow. Since you didn't like Last Jedi, wow, the Little character man. you'd most uh, kind of uh, right. you know you'd, you'd be into. You know, it, Jar Jar it, maybe. It might be an interesting time to go see the rest of Disneyland, because everyone's going to be at Star Wars. Well, it's no, one it's ticket for everything, right? You think? Yeah, everything. Like when Cars Land opened, was the rest of California Adventure mm -hmm. empty? I don't, yeah, think, I don't so. think so. No, you can, there's only so much stuff you can do in Cars Land. <sighs> Wait in line for and is this, several hours. Yeah, is this going to be like Harry Potter World where it's like a gradual rollout and like only a third of the Harry oh, Potter no, World Oh, no, I think they're going to open the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. And, and what I'm more excited about, yeah, they're going to be the rides, but the tech, like this is 21st century tech for a land. And we yeah. hear lots of stories about how they're going to implement droids and AI. And, and there's a and, persistence and to your experience of the land. It's not just like the tech of the ride, but mm -hmm. your interactions with various aspects of the land yeah. will be persistent. They want to immerse you in it. Mm. Like you'll have a character that you'll develop. All I want to know is, can we go on the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, yeah you yes. can pilot there's it. There's a ride. No, put you in the Falcon. I don't, I don't want to sit in some, <laughs> some go-kart alike thing. I want to walk. I want to walk up the ramp. That's what they'll let you do. I want to climb into the hidden chambers. No, you can't do that. I want to play hollow chess. I want to play some Jarek. That's VR. You can do that. In VR. I don't know. Yeah. Is there a Hans? Is there a solo VR experience? I don't think there is. I don't think there is either. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last bit for pop culture news. Now, going back to the Watchmen story at the very beginning, uh, HBO has um, has signed a pilot. Uh, for a Watchmen reboot sequel, we're not sure exactly what it is, but this is led by Damon Lindelof after his huge success with The Leftovers. Great show, everyone should watch it. And of course, everyone's up in arms because Watchmen, which was out as a film in 2005, kind of was a big turning point, I think, in superhero films, um, and not necessarily a success for Warner Brothers or Zack Snyder. Uh, and uh, fans have a very difficult relationship with the representation of these characters that they love from the graphic novel, especially with uh, with Alan Moore's relationship with, and, and even Dave I mean, Givens' relationship with the graphic novel and, and yeah. its portrayal. Alan Moore has to be not excited about this. No, he's not. But he doesn't have the rights, unfortunately. Yeah. So, I mean, even in the comics world, they did, they've done sequels to Watchmen already, right? Jeff Johns and Dave Gibbons have, have extended the life of these characters. So everyone's wondering, what does this mean for HBO? Like, it's a TV show, which is exciting. It's not just going to be all in two hours. It's going to be an extended serialized story. But David Lindelof uh, shed some new light onto the direction they're taking on a series Ooh. of Instagram photos. 
And this is the most one of the most Damon Lindelof things he's ever done. This is a letter, a five-page letter he's written. Oh, please tell me he didn't just post pictures of the letter. He did. Just post pictures of the letter. <laughs> Dear fans of Watchmen, the first three pages are prose written in the style of Watchmen, where he jumps back in time to the various points in the life to I, show... I hate this so much. <laughs> show how this much Watchmen means to him. I, to letters, uh, paragraphs that start with, I am 38. <sighs> A man offers me the opportunity to adapt Watchmen for television. <laughs> and jumping back, I am 23 and living in Los Angeles. He basically puts himself in the position of Dr. Manhattan. He has transcended space and time to show his love for, of course, for the show. Of course he put himself in the place of Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> of then, course. And then in page, I believe page three, he, uh, he, he, he bulks and goes, God damn it. And, and, and says something like, well, this is, of course, a ploy. He, he talks about the death of his father in this. Hmm. He, he pulls that heartstring. Um, and, I, then, and then reveals the, the, the meat of the letter which is the direction they're taking in is going to be essentially a in-world reboot. It's not going to be a retelling of the story, the 12-issue series. It's not going to be – it's going to be set in modern day. It's not necessar- necessarily going to have the same characters, and it's going to be in a post-Watchmen uh, events world um, with new characters and taking the spirit of what Alan Moore did in, in deconstructing the superhero genre with the original Watchmen and doing that in today's world. And why, at that point, I don't think he even needs to call it Watchmen. Well, it gets people to watch the first episode. What if what if it's what if it's Damon Lindelof's Watch Space Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> then they don't have to pay anybody. Dave Gibbons doesn't get paid. I think Sony owns that. Oh yeah, probably. You you gotta I, you gotta you gotta read this letter if you're a fan of the comic book. If you are even int- if you're a fan of Lost, right? Uh, you should read this because it is the most Damon Lindelof thing. This that is, David Lindelof this is has ever Lindeloft. Lindelof has <laughs> so like we met Lindelof. He seemed like a pretty normal dude when we met him. Yeah, like yeah. media trained for sure. Totally. But but like I like him. I like the stuff he's made. I love Lost. I love Leftovers. You didn't like Leftovers at first though. You were I, very anti Leftovers first season. I never two. watched it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You watched the first like episode. You're like fuck this and didn't watch it. I don't know about that. But I, I binge the, the binge it recently and it's it's, it's a fantastic show. <sighs> uh, I love his work. I I think that his public persona. Can uh, it can be divisive, yeah. As a writer, um, okay. I liked the movie. I mean, like the movie was some Zack Snyder. Like I understand what it's supposed to look like without understanding what it's supposed to mean. Business, but like it was, it was, it was a it was a decent visual representation of those stories I, told I, well. I had no feelings about Watchmen going into it at all. I never read the graphic novel. Everyone thought I should. I never did. And then they made this movie, and I heard from my friends. This is a movie that can't be made because it would cost too much money. Yeah. So that's why I went to see it. And it's a spectacular visual film. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I didn't want to watch I, it again. It was so mismarketed. Yeah. I mean, it was it, 2005 was right in the big superhero like, wave, you know, Dark like Knight. X-Men 2. 300 and, and, and yeah. X2, exactly. And when I went to watch it, it's a rated R film, first of all. It, lots of adult themes and elements in that. Yeah, there's I saw I saw kids in that theater and parents were not happy. Yeah. I was glad, like the thing that was controversial because I remember I went and saw it with Dan Morris, who's a mutual friend of all of ours, and he's a he's a big Watchmen fan from the old days, and he was he was upset at what they had done to the ending of that, and I actually think the ending of this is much better 
than the, of the movie is much be- better than the comic books. Than like the Space Squid? Yeah, yeah, the Space Squid. Yeah. It works much better. Anyway. Yeah, for film. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one last thing, a movie I'm super excited about is the New Men in Black reboot, and they just announced that Liam Neeson is, was cast in it. He's going to be their boss. It's going to be apparently a British Men in Black. Okay. It's oh, man, it's not, they're not doing the thing where 21 Jump Street world overlaps no, with Men in Black world? No, not doing Aww. that. Yeah, I, I, I would have paid to see that, too. Uh, Chris Hemsworth, Tess Thompson, and the new Rip Torn is going to be Liam Neeson. Very excited. Sounds, sounds good. All right, to deck. All right, let's talk about some cars for a little bit. Uh, two big car pieces of car news. Uh, Uber has ended its self-driving operation in Arizona. Yeah, I think this just uh, what. Yeah, this is just today's news. Uh, so, as we know, there was a, a fatal accident in Arizona, and the governor shut them down weeks ago. Said you have to cease operations until you get to the bottom of this. And Uber said we're going to cease operations altogether in Arizona. However, Arizona was a place where they could get the license to test these cars on right. certain streets. Yeah, but they're going to continue once they once they solve this uh, mystery of, of how this happened. Yeah, um, they are going to resume testing in our home city of San Francisco. Whoa! Good news, everyone. Yeah, mm. look, the, the out the the stuff that came out in the wake of of the fatal accident in Arizona. Like, did you watch the video of that? The video of the uh, dash of cam. The, the dash yeah. cam. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, the data that came out about their accident rate and their number of their number of like user overrides per mile or per hour driven Mm -hmm. versus everyone else's that's doing self-driving cars made it really clear. I I think that they shouldn't be allowed on the road Mm. at the at the current rate that like they they Google was reporting like 10 per thousand hours or something. And they were 10 per 16 hours. My numbers are wrong, but their their percentage of user interventions, driver interventions yeah. versus Google's and the other people that were in, that are doing self-driving car tests was astronomical. You're saying that you, that the driver had to intervene yes. and correct for a computer error. Yes. More Way often more often. Uber. And and like my fundamental feeling having driven cars that have like the lane assist and all that kind of stuff like the 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 barest forms yeah. of of overrides, I think that like having a partial self-driving car that you have to constantly monitor is way 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 more dangerous than having nothing because if you're if you, the the moment you're not paying attention yeah it's like having somebody who's who's half paying attention the entire time versus somebody who's fully engaged well mm-hmm. i have heard third hand that that is why tesla has stopped releasing updates to autopilot because yeah. they they can do better but the more people trust it the more the more dangerous it the is the more dangerous yeah. it is and so then they're not they're not going to release anything more until it is level five, unless they reach some big milestone, yeah. full autopilot, pay the extra three thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Uber also has you know they have so much money. They're uh, they're on the, also on the apology tour. I think yeah. Wells Fargo, Facebook, and Uber all have apology campaigns right now. Well, on Wells TV. Fargo for defrauding thousands yeah. of customers, millions yeah. of Facebook customers for giving uh, for giving your consumer info for to uh, ruining Western apps. democracy. Yeah. also and and Uber for their new CEO. Um, total apology tour. Uh, they're also investing in Uber uh, aircraft, right? Like Great. Uber helicopter, Uber Air. If they can't make it work on the ground, let's add a third dimension. Yeah. Flying, Great yeah. idea, guys. Flying I mean, they is say, safer. They say that by 2024, 2028, uh, in, they're starting in L.A., they'll have tens of thousands of flights by electric helicopter mm-hmm. 
every day. And is and this a viable solution? No, no, this is not a real. This is every bit as real as the Boring Company. So this is this is just Silicon Valley bullshit. I don't even think it's Silicon Valley bullshit. I think it's like MIT, you know, Carnegie Mellon bullshit. I will take your bet on the Boring Company. Okay. Whoa. What about the air? Th- you don't think air? You don't think uh, consumer priced. Uh, Rideable quadcopters or electric aircraft can be a complement to uh, self-driving cars well, on the ground. Who in their right mind is going to get in that quadcopter? Yeah, like they, if they can't do self-driving cars on the ground, why would I get trust them to write the microcontrollers to keep the quadcopter from killing me? Well, it's a, it's, a, it's a different problem to solve. I'm not saying it's necessarily easier or harder, but you don't have to deal with traffic. Yeah, that's great. But you, you know what you do have to deal with is a pr- one motor going down and the entire thing flipping over and smashing me mm. into the ground. I was going to say gravity. But you don't have to, yeah. uh, with cars, cars are point, electric, even electric cars are point, you don't, you're not worried about cars breaking down. Yeah. Um, remember when we it's flew a, that, that X8 quadcopter <laughs> and the propeller spun off? Do you remember what happened? I believe that was user error. Doesn't matter. Do you, somebody somebody has to maintain the quadcopters, yep. the Uber quadcopters. Yep. And same thing with airplanes. It, it, right. Statistically, it's the safest way to travel. Right. It's going to be some guy that they're paying 20 bucks an hour in Santa Monica who got really jacked up on methamphetamine the night before and forgot so it depends to on the pricing. The you think at scale they can't maintain a fleet um, as and, and be regulated enough to keep it safe? I don't get in, li- in Ubers it, the, when a human's driving them. Why would I get in an Uber quadcopter? Well, they they want they don't want humans driving them. They want those to be autonomous as well. But even reason number six. <laughs> okay, just generally speaking, do yes. you have faith in autonomy? Not as of right now. There, there, in the there future, are different. Yes, there are two different problems. Right now, you're talking about autonomy is one thing, which is the software, and then you're talking about the, the actual technology behind the mode of transportation, whether it's cars I'm, or, or Yes, I'm talking about getting people who write robotics code for for robotics use today, right. writing human-safe code. Mm-hmm. And like, you, if you, have you ever read about how, how NASA writes code for the, for the computers on the space station and on the space shuttle and, and like the process that they use versus Rigorous. the process that some jackass submitting code to an open source project on GitHub uses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want nothing to do with putting my life in the hands of jackasses writing open source code on GitHub. I'm very skeptical of Tesla, who seems to have taken a pretty good effort, yeah. and Google, who's taken a pretty good effort at safety, writing human-safe code for something as unstable and fundamentally terrifying as a human human the writing for every yeah. yeah, Waymo is supposed to be way ahead of Tesla. Waymo is way ahead of Tesla. Yeah. Because they're doing it on cars that were not designed to be driven by humans at all. Right, and because they've been working on it for 10 years now, more or more. Like, like I'm, I'm, I, I just feel like there's a big difference between writing code for your, mm-hmm. for your, uh, for your Roomba yep. and writing code for a car driving on the road where if it fails then the worst thing that happens is you hit somebody or you stop on the side of the road or an airplane yep. where if it fails, then it maybe falls from the sky slowly or maybe just drops like <laughs> a stone or maybe accelerates toward the ground. Let's get it over with quick. Yeah. yeah. So upside down. you have a child who's about six. Yeah. You got 10 years before driving. I think that, I think there's a real chance she'll never have to learn how to drive a car. Okay. So you're, you do believe I, it, that it'll happen. Like, look. But look give at, it time. Look at the acceleration and what machine learning does now versus two years ago versus 10 years ago and how those applications are uniquely so, so suited to solving problems such as picking out signal from noise when you're driving a car or something like that. I have no doubt that we're going to get there in the next 10 years. The question is... I think cities have to be redesigned for that to happen. I don't think so. I don't think it's going to be in the city here. I, I really don't think so. I'm, like, I'm just talking about cars. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not talking about flight. I fl- no, 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 it's cars too. Yeah. I'm oh. talking about cars too. I think cars are a real, real solvable problem. I think human quadcopter flight is fundamentally really, really scary. 
and the systems that we have in place to do that now. Like, it's not like you can take a Pixhawk and fucking do a little bit of work on that and make it human safe. It's just not. It's is it is. It's why when I was at tested, I didn't like linking those videos of assholes strapping a lawn chair onto a, a giant quadcopter because that is fundamentally insane and really dangerous. Just the race and of blades. You are going to die. Yeah. Uh, I think I don't think it were. Uh, I think there'll be an option for people who did not have licenses in the future to get around the world. You can do it today. You can do you, it right now. You can yeah. do it right now. There are plenty of people who live in cities we have who, friends. who don't have licenses yeah. and don't know how to drive because they can get around with ride sharing or public transportation. I don't think I don't think it's gonna get to a point where that's gonna be the default and that not having a license is gonna be the the uh, the, the the outlier in the next ten years. I think if as if you look at population trends and people moving more toward urban areas uh, I think that I think that you might be wrong on that because uh-huh. I think I think like if you live in a rural area, mm-hmm. yeah, you're absolutely correct. If you live in a suburban area, you're probably correct. Wait, if but in the rural downtown, area, in the in the suburban area, that's where the autonomous cars work best. Right now, but yeah, the, but the place that people, if you look at the expense of owning a car in an urban area where you have to pay for parking, you have to like you have to pay for parking on both ends of your commute. Mm-hmm. It yep. makes much less sense. Yeah. For to own a own a car yourself than it does to lift or take the bus or whatever. Norm had a dream uh, two weeks ago that my car was earning me seven thousand dollars a month. <laughs> a month just by like doing self driving. Like, this is a weird dream. I was I was like the Jeremy's car, bad, which pretty he's sweet, sending his car to Oregon to do <laughs> to do ride sharing and making him money. Jeremy's car is running drugs. Um, <laughs> The the you saw the thing about Uber drivers basically when you do the math working out to making minimum wage yeah yeah like, oh really yeah so it's not like you're gonna wow. be an Uber driver and get rich quick I, it's one of my favorite things to do when you get in a Lyft or an Uber in another city ask them like ask them about the economics of driving a Lyft or an Uber mm. and they're almost always willing to talk about it because it's interesting and something they think about constantly from those com- yeah. companies perspective yeah. if they if the technology if they had it their way with the tech. They wouldn't need drivers. Yeah, the drivers. All they're doing is a is a they're building market is is building market and data and gathering data. I mean, here's the thing about Uber. Uber is not sustainable at at the current business model. They need self driving cars to work because they won't exist in twenty years if self driving cars if they can't get their self driving cars. So will they build their own cars? You think? I mean, no. They'll they'll pay somebody else to build them for them, and then they'll just put on strap on the lidar. No, no, they'll have the kit integrated. But yeah, but I mean, I, I like I don't have faith in their software to do what they needed to do, mm-hmm. given the current track record. Well, s- speaking of faith in software, some people don't have faith in Tesla. The Model Three, which still no VIN number yet, uh, <laughs> just got really bad reviews from both Consumer Reports and Edmunds. Bad reviews and, and, and overall car, reviews and uh, well, car and driver, I think too. Uh, on various aspects, and we'll go into specifics. Um, car, uh, Consumer Reports is doing a long-term test, and they're testing various, various aspects of the car. And yeah, there are some fit and finish questions and stuff like that. But the big deal, the big thing that's getting the headlines is their braking test. Yeah, they do a sixty miles to zero braking test. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, brakes obviously need to cool. Uh, they do it overnight. They do it under various conditions. And but on their a controlled results, track. Controlled track. Yeah. But their Results were one inconsistent, which was worrisome to them, mm-hmm. and two at worst, uh, pretty bad. From sixty miles an hour to zero miles an hour, uh, they said one hundred and fifty-two feet, yeah. which 
is not only worse in its class for this type of sedan, but also bad compared to even like a pickup truck. Like my my escape can stop faster than that with the right tire with new tires and good brakes. Right. And assuming this these were new good brakes, new tires. Yeah. Uh so this story got a lot of uh, a lot of press and then Elon Musk and Tesla came back immediately and said that their tests were completely different and so it's a matter of, you know, they said they said. But the bigger thing was that Tesla said that they could fix this problem potentially with just a software update. Well, so Musk said two things, right? He said that they th- they thought they could fix the problem with the software if update. If there's a problem. If there's a problem. The thing the consumer report said was that they'd never seen this much variation on a single car before. Yeah. Yeah. Um which was which was the worrisome thing. And th- yeah. I think that's what made them think maybe it's a software bug. Made made Tesla think software it's a software bug. Software bug for braking? Well, it's all software. Yeah, your so your brakes are do you think are you oh. pulsing your brakes manually or uh that's you just crazy. mash the thing in the computer yeah. hits, it stops them as fast as it can. Those pedals are just joysticks. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and they also, Tesla also said that if there was a mechanical, physical problem, they would just recall would all the cars, yeah. which would be expensive. Well, it depends why, on what the fix is. Why would the braking change overnight? Once it's fully cooled, why wouldn't you be back to a standard? That's the big question. Yep. That yeah. doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, software bug. But if it adds 0.1 to the amount of time that it pulses each time, or, or you know, if there's... It, yeah, who knows? My car apparently, I just looked it up. The Chevy Bolt, sixty to zero, one hundred and sixteen feet. Yeah, all right. Well, that thing's good. light though too. Yeah. Um, and uh, the other thing with uh, the Model Three is, I think this week Tesla has announced the performance model is now available for sale. So that's, that's right, like seventy thousand dollars for the uh, two motors. Um, Why would you buy a Model Three for seventy grand when you can get a Model S for seventy grand? Well. I mean, because Tesla needs to sell expensive Model 3s <laughs> no, no, in no. order to keep their business alive. I don't alive. care what Tesla That's needs That's why to they would sell alive, one, but why, would you, why buy one? would you buy one? It's a different car. It's totally different technology. Like, okay. it's just, have They're you both been, electric, right? Yeah, but the 3 is like... <laughs> they have a big screen on the dashboard? The 3 has this sense of... Four be, seats? Like we've said before, like being in a spaceship. Glass roof? Everything is controlled by this screen. Yeah. It's just crazy. It's that all That seems there. not great to me. Like turn signals and everything? No, the turn signals by the by okay. the things. But windshield wipers? Like there's everything. You know, directing the airflow from your vents. They're opening the glove compartment. Um, everything. Really? Yeah, it's all from that screen. That's, um, that's, 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 from a user experience standpoint, that's the thing that I'm super the most curious about. I'm really I right. Yeah. Like does does I don't know, does the Model Three have ODE port? Like a ODB? ODB port? I think they have to I'm have one, but it doesn't necessarily have to give you the information. ODB ports work differently for electrics than they do for gas cars, mm. too. Like your ODB port probably, like you can't use an automatic no. with your ODB port. No. Because there are a lot of yeah. third party um, hardware uh, devices that can plug into the onboard diagnostic port. Mm-hmm. And then you can project your own HUD, for example, mm-hmm. uh, on the windshield, so you get your speed and you get your the navd your, or whatever. Exactly yeah. the navd. And if that's something that could work in the Model Three, then I'd be considered getting that because they're getting so that so you don't have to look. So over I don't have right. to look over to my right. So I know that navd works on a Model S because mm-hmm. I have a friend with a Model S that has a navd in it. Um, I don't know. And the, does that use the ODB port or does that use the GPS from your phone? Good question. Good question. Yeah. Um, is this has this cooled your interest? I mean, you're you're close to the top of the list on the Model Three. Are you thinking my money? Second thoughts? No, my, no second thoughts. You put your thousand dollars in, you could get back if no, you wanted. I put my, an extra twenty five hundred in. Oh, you did. You're yeah, committed now. I'm committed. I would I, I would uh, incur penalties to back out now. Oh boy. Yeah. And our friend Ryan McCaffrey is probably going to get his around the same day as you. It seems like you guys entered. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Close. The same lottery. Yeah, you, yeah. He hosts a big Tesla podcast now. I don't know if you've listened to that, but I've he's heard. he's a big deal. 
Uh, we'll have more to report once the car gets delivered and if we hear about any other updates. Uh, moving on, um, a lot of people, uh, who here is, do you guys subscribe to YouTube Red? Nope. No, that's, no? that's the guy who's not here. Yeah? Right? Uh, Doesn't he do that? No, he does Google uh, no, he YouTube, YouTube TV. TV. Oh, TV, right. Yeah. A lot of people subs had YouTube Red subscriptions without knowing it because for the longest time, uh, YouTube was, Red was bundled with Google Play Music. What? Yeah. I so had a YouTube Red subscription? You probably were already using it. Did you see YouTube ads? No. <laughs> I just thought my ad blocker was working really well. <laughs> well, um, Shit. They, they bootstrapped the adoption rate for YouTube Red with Google Play Music. You paid $10 a month, and then you had built in YouTube Red, and you never saw YouTube ads. And some of that revenue, when you already watched YouTube, it would get, uh, that $10 a month would get sent to whichever uh, YouTube partner or content creator was creating that video. Yeah. Well, YouTube believes that they don't need to bootstrap anymore, mm. and they have split that uh, up. So now they're launching something called YouTube Premium, which is $12 a month. What's red? YouTube Red is you know, just YouTube Music, which is $6 or sorry, $10 a month. Use YouTube Music Premium. What does that mean? It means that you get if you pay $12 a month, you get ad-free video, uh-huh, downloads and YouTube Originals, because they're spending a lot of money okay. on YouTube Originals now. Okay. Um, and their big first success was the Cobra Cry show. Apparently, that's been received very well. I haven't seen it yet. I watched the first episode. Was it good? Uh, is it? Are people calling it good? Because it's it's all right. It's fun to see these guys again. Does it feel like TV? It's or does kitschy. It, does it feel like like a quote-unquote web show? Uh, it feels like a high... I mean, I'm going to say it feels like TV, but it doesn't feel... I think it's that's, not great TV. That's the that's the big thing, the feeling of do you feel like you're getting TV out of this? Yeah. I think the, there's a big disconnect, especially with people who watch videos on YouTube. They don't want to pay subscription. Yeah. Uh, and even, you know, YouTube has had, um, like, uh, Patreon-style memberships. Yeah. Uh, they've done uh, paywalled stuff. Um, but it's tough to get an audience, even though it's a massive audience, to change their viewing habits um, and commit to paying for content that they expect to get for just ads or for free. The only thing that Cobra Kai tells me is that my generation is officially a dead center bullseye demographic for YouTube premium. Well, you're the you're the demographic Dis that's on YouTube exactly. and you have money because yeah. the younger wow. kids are poor. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But but is your generation the generation that makes YouTube the thing the place you think about when you want to watch original programming? No. I mean, they've marketed this Cobra Kai so much. It's been in, the f in your face if you've ever gone to YouTube the past month. But I want to know, so I didn't know about the Cobra Kai thing until people started talking about it on Twitter or mm. whatever, because probably because I haven't been seeing YouTube ads. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, like, anyway, well, that's great. You should watch it. It's got, you know, the, ba the good guy and the bad okay. guy from the Karate Kid. It has Ralph Macchio? Yeah. Wow. Is that yeah. Pat Morita? Mm, he died, I think. Oh. Well, now yeah, I'm Moment sad. of silence. Yeah, never forget. <laughs> Except you wax did. Wax on, wax off. Except you did. All right. <laughs> Speaking of generations and generations uh, maybe coming to an end, uh, Sony has said that the PS4, and this is super ambiguous, the PS4 is beginning of the end of its life cycle. Well, this is, this is in an investor call. So this is them saying, hey, guys, we only have a few more years of this generation left. Get ready for the next one. What does it mean for consumers? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Keep buying games. Yep. Your Shovel PS4. that stuff out as fast as you can, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you bought a PS4 at launch and like you haven't upgraded to a, a pro, you do you think you got at the value in terms of like AAA titles and exclusive games? I mean, God of War is pretty good, I guess. Wait, wait heard. what do you think this means? Why would they announce this before E3 if there wasn't going to be something I don't more think exciting? E3. They're, 
They're not doing anything new at E3. They're not going to announce anything new at E3. Okay. I mean, yeah. there may be a box on the stage that says, get ready. But they don't want to cannibalize their sales of the existing generation. No. That's no. not what this announcement does? No. See, that's the, this is that's the interesting thing, right? Like this, the, the reporting on this announcement is, well, I guess if you're going to buy a console, hold your mo- save your money Look, for two years? If you guys think that, Ron ha- that people don't know that Ron Howard directed Solo... They really don't know that Sony said, hey, the PlayStation <laughs> 4 generation is coming to an end. That's, that's PS4 true. came out in 2013. Good point. It's five years yeah. going. It's a 10-year product, right? Probably. It'll probably be like an eight-year product. Well, it's going to be a 10-year product because they'll keep selling. They'll keep releing oh, Call of Duty and you're, Madden you're right. and stuff like I, that. I think the, the, new, one the new one will come out yeah. in two to three that's years. That's the way it always works. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I don't think this means anything for all intents and purposes. And it also, did they say that they're going to – did they give us a hint of what the next PlayStation nope. – they didn't say – it's not going to be a, like a pro pro. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a pro pro. I, I mean, think presumably it'll be a 4K machine, 4K yeah. HDR yeah. native. What is a next generation, like not a four, what does the PS5 have to have, aside from content, of course, from right. a technology standpoint, to make it interesting? That's obvious. Right? VR. Native. I don't think that's right? true. You, VR, out of the box. You already have 4K HDR in PS4 Pro. Let's say it's bump all the baseline specs up, right? So you can have more, even more horsepower, more RAM, more graphics memory. Um, but is that it? You think it's an Oculus Go? What? Standalone headset with a gamepad and two hands? is superior to Oculus Go. Uh, I'm just saying, I think, do you think the PS5 is just a standalone so you VR think track Oh, you mean like a Switch, but like yeah. VR. Yeah. No, no way. I think they're in the business yeah, no. of making high-end headsets for your TVs. Or high-end consoles, high for, consoles your t- for your TVs. For TVs. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, Microsoft had that opportunity with the Kinect and Xbox One. Everyone called that a debacle, and that's why the Kinect is no longer required. And PS4 did not launch with the eye cameras as a, as a required... Uh, but PSVR needs it, so they were able to to band-aid that mm-hmm. and still make PSVR a mm-hmm. relative success, especially on the console scene. If VR has to be, be a big part of PS5, you'll need the camera again. It'll be expensive. So the thing I'm gonna the thing I'm gonna suggest is that it's in Sony's best interest since they have the platform that is the lead, the the big seller, and that people are buying third-party games on. It's in Sony's best interest to keep that love going with a PS4 Pro Pro or PS5 that's just a souped-up PS4. Um, whether they do that or not remains to be seen. You only need the camera if you use the same technology. You know, if they're going inside out like everybody else. Yeah. Right. Right. All right. I mean, and going sp- inside out is the smart thing to do at this point. I think we can yeah. all agree on that. Yep. Yep. Saves you extra cameras. And it's, it's just much so- easier to set bottom. up. It means you plug two the mixed via, mixed reality stuff. You plug in two cables and you're up. Bam. Yeah. Lots of speculation. Uh, have you guys seen the new uh, Lego sets? So we last we talked about the Lego roller coaster, I believe. Ooh. Yeah. You seen this? It's a, seen it. it's a beautiful set. Um, but I was mistaken. The roller coaster does not come with the motor. It is mm. hand wound, but you can get the, the coaster up to the top uh-huh. and then it will do the full. It does run the track. It runs the full track. As a roller coaster would. Yep. That's cool. There were a couple Except of roller, roller coasters in the Lego user group uh, section at Maker Faire this weekend that were just, just absolutely beautiful. Really, really nicely done. And the same thing. They, they had motors that would ride them up at the top of the track, and then they'd ride all the way down. So they have a That's new really platform pretty. that does will add the motor capability, and it's called LEGO Powered Up, um, which is different than LEGO Boost and different than their Mindstorms, different than Technic. Uh, this is a new system to allow some existing sets and some new sets to have some, some power and some, some motor ability. Uh, the first one's going to launch is going to be a app-controlled Batmobile, so you can actually steer it, Ooh. and you will have some light coating for changing performance, and that's going to launch in August first for a hundred dollars. Oof, 
Ooh, I would not even have recognized that as a Batmobile, but okay. It's it's a tumbler. It's I like guess. the tumbler ish. I'm yeah. with you now. Yep. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, building them in more electronics. Big fan of Lego doing that. Me too. Like, I, if they can find a way to bridge the the what's their mindstorms mm-hmm. with the, with the more traditional Lego sets, I think that's a good thing. Well, I think it's what, what they're finding is that when people build the sets, they're keeping the sets built stayed together. Right. My my, my daughter they're not does disassembling. Both. Yeah. Um, which I know is the antithesis of the the meaning behind the Lego movie, mm-hmm. but it's what people are doing now. They're building, you know, uh, ships, they're building uh, statues, they're building mm-hmm. things to just keep in themselves. Uh, and so other than putting it on your shelf, you could also then add a motor and add some lights and make a nice display piece. My sister-in-law now, when she goes to a new city, she buys something from the architecture kit and builds that. And rather than getting a snow globe or some, you know, a, a tchotchke from the town, from the place she went, she has a Burj Dubai from when she went to Dubai. They make that? Yeah. How about that? Pretty good. All right. Let's switch gears to talk about phones for a little bit and mm-hmm. get through these phones real quick. Do um, it. Ooh, uh, we have an estimate for how much is the ban on uh, the export ban on ZTE is going to cost that company. Uh, ZTE is a Chinese smartphone company that because of new bans, they can't import uh, Qualcomm chips, and they have to basically effectively shut down their smartphone operation. And it's said that they will probably lose at least three billion dollars yeah and they have a workforce that's just at a standstill right now idle factories why can they not buy qualcomm chips politics is this part of the tariff thing the trade war yeah part of the trade war good nice job yep yep uh which is kind of i I thought we couldn't import them because they were worried since they were owned by a like they they worried that there was like spyware built baked in this is a chinese national company maybe that's part of it okay um it's all very political. I mean, there's there's a if that's a concern, there's a worry that all since all of our electronics are manufactured in in Asia, in China specifically, like wh- who's to say that all of our stuff isn't compromised from the moment it leaves the factory? As in the subplot of not me, Silicon Valley. I am not to say that. I rely on 4chan and Reddit for that kind of thing. Like okay. the real nerds. Well, no, no, but I mean, like for a long time. The NSA and we're using uh, Cisco routers to spy yes, on places. Yes. By injecting their own custom firmwares and routers that were going to specific places. Yeah, that's hard to detect. Yeah, it's hard to detect. Hmm. Uh, well, maybe if you don't want to buy a ZTE phone and you don't want to buy like a, a OnePlus Six, uh, you could invest twelve hundred dollars to pre-order the Red Hydrogen One. <laughs> Red cameras, that oh, this wow. smartphone. They're finally doing it. They're finally, it's finally coming out. Right. ATT and Verizon, and uh, it, it, you can pre-order. It will ship sometime this summer. Nothing smarter than pre- pre-ordering a new phone from a manufacturer you've <laughs> never made phones before. Wasn't this That's phone right. supposed to have an interesting display? It's, it's could supposed be. to have two big pieces of technology. One yeah. is this what they're calling a four V display, not necessarily at least it's not lenticular. Right. And there are now more hands-ons. They had some uh, influencers, and uh, The Verge went to check it out. No photos of the screen. They were not allowed. But their impressions were that it had a very effective 3D look. Mm-hmm. That the, the images did not necessarily pop out over the screen, but were maybe looked like they were recessed into the screen. Got it. And it worked at multiple angles and were better than what you'd see with, like, the 3DS. Okay. I'm still hugely skeptical until we get to see this in person. I also yeah. don't believe that's going to be something of real value right. uh, to this. Because it requires custom software. And cameras, right? Like, unless you're talking about a network of 
thousands and thousands of people with this phone and then they have the you know stereo cameras to film in 3d and then to see a 3d facetime equivalent it's not really that useful the bigger thing because red is a camera company is the modular attachments and the back of the phone has this pogo pin adapter that lets you attach a huge accessory essentially a giant camera sensor to the back of it and then you can mount on like a dslr lens like actually a dslr lens like actually what? a dslr that's crazy lens. that right. sounds pretty good so essentially the phone becomes a viewfinder and the the yeah. computational processor for a sensor you still have to buy the sensor the mount's going to be expensive in itself yeah and then if you have a lot of lenses then you could use that so it would be cool with that oh before. so yeah like that sony the sony mirrorless thing with no body is is interesting that, but was kind of flawed right and that did what over wi-fi uh, uh, wi-fi or bluetooth or bluetooth to yeah. your phone here's a direct hard connection so you're using more of direct connect uh, direct processing and also no latency for the view you get a and real it, viewfinder. it doesn't use the camera on the phone at all at all it, no it's yeah. just a viewfinder it, it, only using the brains and, and a the controller screen. yeah so how, the brains and the screen of the of, uh, are the phone how long before steven soderbergh shoots an entire film using a red camera phone mm-hmm. red but camera phone. at that point you're just using the red sensor yeah and you're just using your whatever lens you have uh-huh. and all the phone is is the part of the camera that people don't usually talk about, which is the screen and the processor. Norm, it's a stunt. $1,200. If you put two of these sensors on, can you shoot 3D? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Get two Imagine big, you're holding, like 24 you're primes. You're holding your, your giant phone like this <laughs> and being weighed down by the lens. Right. Uh, two. Yeah, two. So, you or, put two 24. Yeah. yeah 24 Ergonomically, this also is... N- does not great. sound great. You put on a you put on a shoulder rig and you're fine. And, oh, there there are ridges on the side of the phone, so it's for for better gripping. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. What happens if you drop it? Does it explode? <laughs> Probably. It's, I, I mean, I, serious, serious question though. Like, I would expect Red to make a pretty sturdy phone compared to yeah, say Apple sure. with its glass backs or, sure. or Google or whoever. And for people who are filmmaking on the fly, the thing that takes a long time is transferring the footage to a device to review. Right? Yeah. Um, and so if you have a phone with a big screen, a nice screen, and uh, you're just filming on the go with your, and you trust the sens- sensors and they make great sensors and you trust the lenses because it's your own lenses, uh, you could film make and you can review the footage and you can play it back all without having to navigate a, a, a essentially a camera UI or, or have uh, an ingestion into some type of, you know, um, uh, a video village. So that means the card wrangler then is is off the table. That guy's yeah. out of work. Yeah, everything's just stored on a memory card and also it's previewed on your phone. Okay. It's time to hit Turbo Boost, guys. All right. Uh, new Apple phones uh, this holiday. Uh, sure. The, uh, the latest rumor is that the chips that will go into the next phones are going to be on a 7 nanometer design. That's unprecedented. In- Intel just moved to 10 nanometers. Finally. I'm, I'm much delayed. After 14 to 10, yeah. and that's not even on their high-end chips. Yeah. Uh, they're just And so TSMC... Um, the report is that Apple will be going to t- on the A12 chip, a 7-millimeter design, which means much more power efficiency or just faster processing, uh, lower heat, and all, th- all around uh, good news for mobile chipsets. Yes. Very exciting for that. Uh, if you had a battery problem on your iPhone 6, uh, Apple is still running through the end of this year, a uh, battery replacement program, I believe, for $50. But if you had to have your battery replaced before this year, before they announced that program, you can get a rebate on a refund on your uh, warrant, out of warranty repair. Hmm. Oh, that's nice. Um, so that so, seems as it should be. 
as it should be. You Are know, they going to do repairs for things like Apple Watches and iPads that the batteries have gone bad and they they're do. now slow? They do. Well, if they expand on the Apple Watch and they actually yeah. break open the, the case, then they will do replacements. But what if the battery just gets makes the oh, device just slow? Yeah. yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, did you guys see the Samsung, the new Samsung campaign launched no. like five days ago? This is, it is brazen. Oh my. Uh, it's a woman who has an iPhone and she's talking with her mother, I believe. Yeah. And she's trying to like check into an airport. She's trying to use her phone on the airplane and she has tons of problems and she needs to upgrade. And obviously they compare her experience to someone with, um, a Samsung Galaxy S9. But this woman has very clearly an iPhone 6. It's even like the mom's like, did you upgrade your iPhone 6 yet? And then they get to a point where she goes into an Apple store in what? this commercial. Yeah. She's like, she can't call her Uber. She like, their phone's dead. The battery life is dead. The screen isn't responsive. She's and crying she, at one she's point. She's crying. She oh goes gosh. into an <laughs> Apple store and they have an Apple employee or someone who, an actor playing Apple, a genius, yeah. say in a very monotone voice, like, oh uh, yeah, you could also throttle your phone. And then she says like, but that's Chris's performance. And then she walks by someone with the, the notch haircut and decides to upgrade to a Galaxy S9. Wow. It is brazen. It is, it is on the Samsung's nose. Samsung's lost its chill. Yeah. I saw the Note 8 recently, and uh, I did the old, ooh, what's that phone? <laughs> like, the way that the screen curves a little bit around the edges, oh, it's yeah. it's cool. I don't like, the, I don't like that edge, edge curve. I don't know how practical it is, but it caught my eye. Yeah. Uh, last week, after we recorded the podcast, Valve released Steam Link for iOS and Android. So if you have an, any Android device, tablet, or phone, you can download Steam Link and then stream from your PC to... Your phone. So is that out? It's out. Uh, it's I, out for Android. It's not out for iOS. I heard it was out in beta for Android. I haven't yeah. heard iOS yet. Yeah. It's supposed to be, but um, yeah, I don't know. It seems like a great idea. You gonna and, you gonna try it? Uh, yeah, I really I use my Steam Links a lot. I have two of them. I think they're awesome. Yeah. Here's one of the and this one in the bedroom. Lets you not need to have that device. Yeah, yeah I can just lay in bed. Device. I need. I, what I need is a good iOS controller that hooks the phone. A wired controller. Well, the Steam no, no, not a wired one. Steam one. Link works with the Steam controller. I don't ever want to use the Steam controller again, Jeremy. Okay. Uh, it also can work with like a Xbox X controller. On my iPhone? Uh-huh. You got to get the new one that supports Bluetooth, just like the Go. On my phone? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. It. Yeah. I mean, I think so. Will it work with the PS4 controller? Oh, that I, I don't know. They're Bluetooth. Know. Uh, Elon Musk went full fake news this morning. He Ooh. accused the media of being increasingly irrelevant because nobody believes them and says that they're the reason Trump got elected. Wait, who is this? Elon. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, boy. About 20 minutes ago. Here's the quote. The holier-than-thou hypocrisy of big media companies who claim who lay claim to the truth but publish only enough to sugarcoat the lies why the public no longer respects them. And then he responds to somebody else. He says, thought you'd say that. Anyone who criticizes the media, the media shrieks. You got, you're just like Trump. Why do you think he got elected in the first place? Because no one believes you anymore. You lost your credibility a long time ago. That is not okay, mm. Elon. All right. Uh, I'm going to skip through a bunch of rest of these. I have some recommendations. Uh, cables. I'm going to talk about cables for a second. Belkin has new cable. If you have an iOS device, uh, a iPhone without a 3.5 millimeter jack, uh -huh. this is now a cable that's a lightning really to 3.5 millimeter male cable. Lightning? So, you know, Apple includes the lightning to females. You can plug your headphones in. Yeah. This is lightning to males. So you can plug into car stereo. So it has the logic and it's real thin. I, it's I don't small. know if it has the logic. But does yeah, I guess it converts digital to analog. It I, is a, it is a it's definitely it has to have some digital yeah, analog yeah. converter in there. I just bought uh those Anker Bluetooth USB headphone jack dongles everywhere. 
mm. and they work great. Yep. Um, and then the other recommendation for cable is uh, basically MagSafe for USB cables. Um, it's USB, uh, A, you plug into your, your wall wart oh. on one side, and then whereas the other side, you would have a micro USB 2.0, which I hate that, or even lightning. Yeah. Uh, that part is removable with a magnetic connection. And you just have this nub that and goes into the And you have a little nub that goes into your phone or whatever device, and, and then you could snap in with magnets huh. for data and power. I use it with the Oculus Go. Is it full speed for data? Full speed for 2.0 Okay, for data, I, which is lightning and 2.0 right now. I, um, I find that the Oculus Go battery is real hinky. Uh, it doesn't turn off. It doesn't. It yeah. doesn't. It you doesn't have go to, to turn sleep. it off. You, yeah, it, it doesn't. I, I think it goes to sleep if you don't use yeah. it. But it's the um, if the strap the is like sensor, back, it picks up it as yeah. as your face. The proximity sensor is very sensitive on, and Bluetooth. Yeah. It's always connected to Bluetooth because your phone knows if it's nearby. Yeah. Oh. So you know how to turn it off. You hold the button, but you have to be in VR to turn it off. That's dumb. Yeah. Um, that that Belkin cable is thirty bucks for a three foot. That is a very expensive cable. Very expensive. It's dumb. You, you just use the Apple thing with a mail-to-mail extender. Works, that, works that, fine. That also works. I've, yeah, I've fine. stopped. I've completely stopped plugging my phone in. Like I have pads on my desk and in my nightstand, and it oh, just you're doing you're the doing the, the wireless charging. Always wireless. Wow. Always be wireless charging. Mm. All right. Can't wait for those Air Pads, whatever they're called. I don't care. I bought a twenty dollar one from Amazon, and it works great. Fast. Fast enough. Overnight. Doesn't uh, matter. It sits on my desk all day. It stays 100% yeah. the whole time. Mm. I, I wonder if I'm destroying the battery, but, you know, the phone lasts two years. I so want that cares? in my car. I, I want they sell them the in slots, the car. Slots into the car where you rest it on the pad and not ever have to plug your what, phone what in. What I want is a magnetic. I want, I want the phone to have a metal plate in it so that we can get a magnetic grip that holds. Yeah. Because the ones that you stick on are not very good. No. No. Uh, before we move on to our next segment, I want to thank the other sponsor of this week's episode, and that is Radius from Thermacell, the world's first rechargeable zone mosquito repellent, because it's summertime. With the Radius repeller, you can stop mosquitoes in flight, not on your skin, so you don't have to bother with messy, smelly, and oily sprays. The compact Radius repeller creates a 110-square-foot mosquito protection zone and uses heat to disperse a highly effective scent-free repellent. It's push-button simple, and it has a rechargeable battery and a repellent cartridge that offers up to 40 hours of protection. You can use it anywhere, in your backyard, at a campsite, on a picnic, or on your vacation, and it comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Discover for yourself why Thermacell's mosquito repellers are the highest-rated zone mosquito repellents. And it is summertime, so if you live in an area with a lot of mosquitoes, it might be worth using for your barbecue. Now, if you go to thermocell.com, you can use the offer code TEST to save 20% off now. Again, thermocell.com with the offer code TEST to save 20% on your radius repeller. And thank them for sponsoring this week's episode. The VR Minute. Virtual reality this week. All right. No new product news to talk about, but lots of interesting future VR tech. I missed this. You, you see something about the Verifocal Display Timeline. Yeah, so uh, I guess Display Week, or there's a big display event going on, hmm. um, and it's where uh, Google and uh, LG showed off their big 1443 PPI OLED display. Uh, made for VR headsets. You put two of those. That's that's for four point uh, three inches. So you have one of those for each of your eyes. Uh -huh. Incredibly high PPI. They had teased that a while ago, and now they uh, they have unveiled it. Display Week twenty eighteen Expo is the name of the event. Oh, I can't wait to see this in person. Um, but also, I believe at that event, 
there was a uh, panel about uh, technology and uh, VR display technology, and it indicates that uh, the inference there was that Oculus had been working on verifocal displays for even before the CV1. That's interesting. Was I, released. I wouldn't think it surprise me. I I can't wait to try this. And we saw um, a demo from F8. You saw this, right? Mm -hmm. Where, with the display moving, you know, yeah. closer and further away from your eyes, really quickly, based on where you were looking and eye tracking. I can't wait to see this, but I, I wouldn't assume that this would have been one of their top priorities because I don't think people consciously are aware of this, of the fact that their eyes are focused at the convergence accommodation problem. Whatever it is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because it doesn't necessarily cause discomfort. But I wonder if it's the kind of thing that once you experience verifocal, you can't go back. I, I mean, I, I wonder if it's a side effect of doing eye tracking because you have to have eye tracking for verifocal to work, right. presumably. Yep. So I wonder if like they're, they're, as they were figuring out, hey, we can do eye tracking, how we can do eye tracking inside the headset. They're like, oh, this is a thing that we get maybe, I mean, with the moving lenses, maybe not for free, mm -hmm. but if they can do it with software only, then then that seems like the kind of thing you would, you would that would be an easy easy win yeah. early on. So Douglas uh, Landman, who works at Facebook Rally Labs, did this presentation, and part, and, and th that's where they showed an image of their first prototype from 3.5 years ago, um, which lets me believe more so that Michael Abrash's speech about technology in five years was, was informed was informed for <laughs> sure well since his uh, group is the one that's determining what's happening in five years yeah. i would assume it would be informed <laughs> but what he had what he had put out to the public was maybe co closely correlated with what we may be seeing what an amazing coincidence uh, what an amazing coincidence indeed uh but there's an interesting chart about different focus supporting displays and the benefits the pros and cons of each of those and if you look at the line for verifocal you get a lot of benefits, high resolution, wide FOV, big eye box. And one of the cons is that not only do you need adaptive, adaptive optics, which is a mechanical solution for changing the lenses in relation to the lens, you also need eye tracking, which is not something they explicitly said was part of the verifocal display. We had, I had made the assumption right. that uh, for verifocal, you would use software to infer where the virtual object was relative to your eyes and then change the focus on that. But this tells us that if in order for Oculus to ship something with verifocal displays, they're going to need eye tracking. So yeah. eye tracking maybe will be in the next version. In eye CD2. tracking seems like an easier problem to me than verifocal. So that doesn't surprise me. Well, eye tracking to a certain extent. Eye tracking for foveate rendering, not so much. But eye tracking for... Uh, Have you explained what verifocal is? Yes. Ver yeah, we, we did the last uh, week and a half or two weeks ago, which is it's, it's, it's the idea that the lens, the relationship between the lens and display... That distance can shift so you can focus your eyes on something closer than infinity or closer than the 10 feet away yeah. or so. And so when objects, when, when you have near field objects where a lot of the most interesting stuff in VR happens in that near field. Stuff that's in your hand. Zero to, to five feet away from you, um, you can shift your focus onto that and the lenses will move as your eyes actually shift. And so that will yeah. actually change in focus. It means things like gun sights will work better, and the ability to pick up a piece of paper and read it will be will be legible in the same way that it is in the real world. Yeah, I don't think they're. I mean, they're going to they're not going to change the render. They're not going to render everything flat, and then use optics to to uh, change your depth of field. I think they're still going to blur out things in the background That'll based on software. Actually, that's an interesting question. I right. wonder. Do you think every? You think it's cheaper? Computationally, it's cheaper to render everything. No, no, it's cheaper. It's cheaper to blur it out. Yeah, exactly. The, the, exactly. That's a. That's a a yeah. pixel shader that runs at the end of the pipeline, it's easy. That's mm -hmm. interesting, though. 
But people will say, like, they just listen to you say that, and they'll say, but things come within two meters all the time in VR. Yeah. But it's different because there's two ways to focus on things. There's one with this where convergence where your eyes cross and they get narrower mm -hmm. and they look at something that's closer. But there's also the lens of your eyes that refocus on the object based on distance. Right. And currently VR can only do convergence. It can't do this. Accommodation. Um, accommod right. Accommodation. I mean, it's, my guess is, and this is a completely uninformed opinion, but my guess is that this is one of those things that adds eye strain that people don't notice. Exactly. Yeah. Except for cumulatively. Yeah. And yeah. It, it, just show, it should be much more realistic. Yeah. I can't wait to try one of these. Um, Steam VR. Uh, last week, Valve added Steam VR input. This is now, a really good thing. This is a software API that allows you to program and map your VR input controllers. In this case, the the Vive uh, wands and all those buttons to essentially anything. It's much like what they did when the Steam controller first came out and mm -hmm. let you map and program your own input to map those to keyboards. You can now do that with your Vive controllers. So what's the use case for this? Uh, so the use case for this is that if you have a game like the Fusho, perhaps, mm. that supports both the, all the, the Vive, the Oculus, and the Windows Mixed Reality headsets, and you want to support all of those without uh, necessarily having to manually build single use cases for each of them, you now have an API that you can write against that will let you say, okay, the primary button does this, the secondary button does this, the tertiary button does this. Here's what you use the trackpad or analog input for. Here's what you use the trigger for. You can't do that currently? Right now you have to build, in the old days you had to build, you had to, you had to say, for example, you had no way, like if you wanted to put a representation of the Oculus controller and the Vive controller, yes. in, you had to manually point the labels for those controllers at the right buttons, stuff like that. So, for example, if the trigger on the Oculus is what you use to pick up the trigger, the grip, the trigger on the Vive is what you use to pick up the grip button on the Oculus is what you use to pick up, you would have to say, okay, here's what we, here's, here's what we use these buttons for on the Oculus controller, here's what we use them for on the Vive controller, and you build manual, manually set that stuff up for each one. It's why lots of stuff doesn't support Windows Mixed Reality headsets out of the gate, is because the, like, the game doesn't know what to do with the inputs, and if the defaults, for example, Rec Room, are bad, then or they interfere with hmm. with like the button that pops up the steam menu the game just won't work okay mm. um so this this not only lets developers have a more general primary tertiary secondary whatever button here's what we use the buttons for it also lets the users reconfigure. manually reconfigure it not in the game but at a, at a system level lower level yeah so that if if like when I was playing Rec Room on the mixed reality controllers, I was trying to use the thumbsticks to teleport. And now you can. Which doesn't work yeah. because the Steam VR menu pops up when you hit the thumbsticks on the mixed reality headsets. Now you'll be able to reconfigure that yourself. Cool. Yeah, it's very good. Did, so, did we, can we talk about that adaptive, that Xbox adaptive controller? I, know I was thinking the same thing. Like, All right. Like, yeah. Because it's a very similar situation. Yes. Microsoft did an amazing thing. They worked on it for like three years. It's a controller for people with limited mobility. Uh, um, and it's something that previously people have done at like homebrew solutions that are very similar to like prop recreation work. Like people would build a run of a controller input device that then like like you used for the for your for your pinball yep. table. Um, but people will use them to do like uh, different kinds of joysticks and blow tubes and foot controllers and all of these. This there's a massive 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 array of potential input devices for people with different yeah. different limitations. And Microsoft built a universal controller that has like like 16 or 18 or something uh, manual inputs on the back so that you can use it with these big touchpads, but you can also plug in all the different things that your specific situation requires. Yeah. 
and it's supported really well in Windows. It's supported on the Xbox. It probably looks like an Xbox controller. It right? doesn't. It's a big pad. And no, oh, I mean, it shows I mean up to, like an Xbox the controller computer. to the game. Yeah. So there's no support required. It just works. Well, I mean, people had built homebrew solutions for that stuff before yeah. that used the like the Xbox 360 interfaces and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But they're really expensive. This thing is, I think, a hundred bucks. You can you can like do an amazing amount of software that they worked with the Able Gamers people for for two plus years cool. in secret to make it happen, and it is an absolutely incredible device, and it's so so cool that Microsoft, the big company, like this is a t- they're not going to make money on these things. Yeah. It's a tiny percentage of people that are going to use them, the potential player base, but that they went out and did it is is really rad, and I'm like mad props to them for 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 doing the. Work. I know that it's for accessibility, and that yeah. and that that's going to serve a purpose there, but it, this is going to be used by makers as well. In order, oh yeah, in order to make crazy interfaces to computers that just work out of the box. Yeah, and and that you don't have to buy a piece of hard hard to find often hard to find hardware. Right. In order to make it happen, and you're not dependent on like getting in at the right time for the run or whatever. So yeah, it's it's really really cool. Speaking of controllers uh, and back to VR, one of the complaints we've had uh, about um, six DOF headsets is, and even three DOF headsets, this controller is also three degrees of freedom. Um, even in the Lenovo Mirage Solo, which has six degrees of tracking for the head for comfort, yep. the controller itself is still rotational only uh, with IMUs, like what you'd find on your phones. Uh, Google, um, in one of the research projects, says that's okay because as they are developing inside-out tracking technology, they may be able to give your controller six degrees of tracking even if the controller itself is three degrees only and that's because they know how your hand is holding it and they can see your hand imagery and do some skeletal modeling of your hand and so give you six degrees of tracking They're going to infer your six degrees of tracking in a more casual way than the mixed reality okay. headsets do with so the big So they're halo. letting the IMU and the controller augment hand tracking. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, which More data is better. Absolutely. Uh, which is, you know, the end goal is good hand tracking, period, um, which... Leap Motion is working toward um, with its IR-based system, but the optical-based system that Daydream uses right now and what Google is experimenting with VR, uh, they want to get to hand tracking and hand presence, uh, but if you have a controller, even a 3 dot controller, they want to let that be your space laser pointer or space gun in the future. Well, so great. hopefully that will be a software update. This is just a research project that they've published, uh, but give some hope for people who have invested in some of those headsets today to have some um, positional tracking and real hand presence in the future. Uh, last but not least, we're going to talk about some software. Uh, we are, what is this, one week away now from the release of Budget Cuts. Heads up. <laughs> Can you believe it? I'm very excited. Have you been, I saw it at GDC. I can't wait. Have you been looking forward to a VR title, any VR title, longer than budget cuts? No, because everything else is out, or <laughs> you haven't been waiting that long. Like, budget cuts goes way back. Yeah, budget cuts launched with the Vive, right? That the, the demo launched with the yes, Vive. Yes, I think I played it before Vive the Vive pre. was even out. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is... This is yeah, it was, this it was one, you're right. It was one of those things on the, on the when you got the key code that came with the pre... It unlocked budget cuts and yeah. tilt brush and like three other things. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, but w- before budget comes out, budget cuts comes out. We'll be probably playing the new Rec Room update. Rec Room's going full royale, a Rec Room battle royale. Worlds colliding. Is this going to happen on the football version. field? Like, where in the school is this going to take place? Exactly. That's what I want to know. <laughs> Look, it's in a forest. I don't know. Maybe it's the backyard. I, all I all I know is I want to get out there and get. Do you get chicken dinner? You think it's a sixteen player battle royale? That so doesn't seem that royale to me. 
That's, it looks like a <laughs> mini royale. Hey, you get what you get. Is it 1v1v1 or are there teams? Can we squad up? It is in alpha this weekend. Is we'll my is all of my murdering Murder Island experience going to come to bear? Probably I don't see not. squatting up being a factor with 16 players. Do you? Yeah. I would I, I mean 4v like we do war mode on my PUBG streams with 4v4v4 all the time. It's very fun. Great. Hey, maybe so. Yeah. Uh and uh the big question is whether it's going to be teleportation only or whether we'll have smooth oh, locomotion because no. that's a big complaint God, that people have. They do smooth have. locomotion. I, I want nothing to do with it, I think. No, the people want smooth locomotion because the teleportation... Now, the teleportation-based combat in Rec Room allows more strategy, I think, because yeah. uh, you... But then it becomes just a, a, a jumping match. Well, jumping, so, shoot, jump, shoot, jump, shoot. So shoot the, them when they're d paused. But in the quest, it's like kind of find your position, set up, and like during a combat encounter, you don't move around too but much. But that's not PvP. No, no, I, I know. That's what I'm saying is I, I'm interested to see how this works. I believe it does support smooth. Uh, I believe I, re I read that in a Reddit thread. Uh, that it will support smooth lo locomotion as their engine does now, as of like a month mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's an option. So you can glide around, and I find the gliding makes me uncomfortable in a relatively short period of time. You're the guy who played like DK one. I Team played. Fortress I played Fortress Alien 2, Isolation, which is all and gliding. it made me uncomfortable. Oh, I always thought you were immune to that. Yeah, I mean, look, maybe I maybe the more time I spend, the more it worse it gets. I don't know. Well, that does it this week for the episode. Uh, anyone been testing anything? I've been yeah. using the Oculus Go a lot, yeah, more than true. I expected. I think that's the general consensus, because like, it's so convenient. I've it, watched, that's it. It's, it's yeah. like, do you want to plug anything in and launch anything, or do you want to just put on a headset and start watching a movie? Like I, I have watched almost all of that Lost in Space Netflix thing on the Oculus Go laying in bed at night. I've been enjoying that. I'm on episode three now. Yeah, it's... um. The only thing that is a bummer is the battery life is real bad. Yes. Um, I've been testing, uh, again, back to uh, Joseph Prusa, who we met at Maker Faire. He gave me kindly one of the new um, platforms. The build platforms. Flexible build Ooh. platforms with the uh, sprayed-on adhesive, right? That's a PEI built into the powder coat Ooh. that's sprayed on. They've been trying to perfect this for literally years now. So uh, you pop it off and you flex it and it just pops off? Well, like they, they, what they ship with the MK3 because they couldn't get this ready in time is a adhesive PEI sheet, which is just like what they put on their old um, MK2 um, build platforms. But it's it, you know it's removable, it's flexible, so it's awesome. Mm -hmm. But it's not built in. Like the adhesive will eventually delaminate. This powder coat, you know, hypothetically Pretty lasts good. quite a long time, and it has a few advantages. Like it, one, the amazing thing is once it cools, the object is loose loose oh wow like i could blow it and it'll move it, it's odd you know because you, you want it to be nice and and but it's, sticky it's, while it's as printing. long as the heated bed is on it's hot yeah it works oh, great that's so really that, cool. that's the weird thing you also get this nice texture to it which hides the print lines um so i'm still testing it but it, it's a it's really interesting innovation i've been using my glowforge a lot i made mother's day uh cards and gifts on it that's good for good the idea. mothers in my life i like that idea it was very good very very big hits very cool. Uh, what about the Foo Show? What's coming up on the uh, Foo Show? So there's, there's a, a new, new episode, episode now? We do have a new episode. No out. way. It's funny you say that. It features uh, two of the people in this room right now. Sorry, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, we didn't actually steal your likeness and put you in. But yeah, we uh, we made uh, an uh, amalgamation of Adam's Cave, the place we record Still Untitled every week. And we talked about some of his favorite props and collected props. So the Apollo suit, uh, the Captain America shield, the Blade Runner blaster, mm -hmm. a Maltese Falcon, not actually his Maltese Falcon because Norman and I scanned the wrong one. Um, 
uh, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, Sue, the T-Rex head that's hanging above his pool table. Yeah. All of these things and more are featured in there. Akbar, the Akbar head. So if I join, if I download Foo and, and load up this episode yes. in VR, can yes. I hold these things? Yes, you can. And you know what? There's a bug. We left a bug in. There's a bug that's good. So the hand props disappear when you drop them as they should. Yeah. The helmets just keep staying around <laughs> more and more. So you can fill the room with helmets if you want. Uh, wow. At some point, we'll probably fix that. But I, I think I thought it was really funny and I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, the Akbar head, the Lego Fleshman. Uh, some of the other helmets that Adam's built over the years are in there. It's 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 a lot of fun, and we had a nice talk about making and um, the politics of making. Did you well. talk about how you remade his cave? We talked about all that stuff. Yeah, we cool. talked about how the three D scanning works. Nice. How, how um, like some of the things were done with photogrammetry, some were laser scanned. Uh, we talk about where the laser scanning doesn't work, like on the Apollo suit uh, bubble dome. It, the laser just doesn't know what to do with the glass there, yeah. and uh, and it made an interesting mess. We left it so people could see. Uh, one final thing for listeners in Europe, I'd love to hear your experiences with GDPR. So uh, Europe now has general data protection regulation. Mm -hmm. So people it's not, who it's spam not live you, yet. Uh, the, the emails are starting to come out soon. So, it takes effect in June around the twentieth, I think. But uh, advertisers and other people are sending out these emails now. If you've opt, if you sign up for a newsletter and you found it difficult to opt out, they now have to force you to opt in or require that you opt in for you to continue getting them. So you may be getting a lot fewer spam emails than before and uh people are companies are finding creative ways to get you to click that opt-in button hey get five percent off if you exactly. opt back in want to continue building a relationship with us but this I, is not just the, europe this is everywhere it, it applies everywhere? everywhere no no it's it's a european regulation that because they don't collect uh, location data for people they're having to send it out to everyone that's awesome so if they so yeah like the the desperate emails from the people that have been spamming me for a decade the past two great. weeks it's half my email feels yeah. like that yeah it's great i love it and you know it, with inbox by gmail it just all goes into a bit bucket so i never even see it not it me disappears. i'm getting all these and they say like action required yeah like no no no, no that's your problem <laughs> sir not mine i can get 20 percent off pet food I well, so want your email. So the good news, the really good thing about all this is it means that if people have signed you up for a mailing list, they didn't confirm you actually own that email address. All of those are also applied. So they have to. The GDPR means that they have to default to not bothering you, and they have to confirm that you actually own that email address. Yep. Which, as somebody who has a name at gmail dot com, is a really, really delightful thing. Yeah. Awesome. So, cool. Thanks, uh, Europe. Thank you. Thank you, everyone at Maker Fair who came up and said hi. Yeah, awesome sometimes I, I know that takes some, you know, a little bit of bravery to come say hi, but I really, really appreciate that. We don't always get to, you know, see you guys in person, and it's always nice to meet you guys. And maybe I, we'll do a meetup next year. I had a couple people who came up to me on Sunday when I was there alone with my daughter, and I wasn't able to talk to them, and I apologize. Usually I try to say hi, and like I'm, I love it when people come up and say hello, but when you're chasing a five-year-old, it's not a good time for that. So apologies if I, if I didn't get a chance to chat with you. And thank you, Will Smith, for joining of us course. this week on short notice. Kishore, hopefully we'll be back next week, and we'll find some time to talk about Solo. Oh, yes, please. Next week. Awesome. We have an outro. Justin, a.k.a. Speed, provides yet another. Hi there. I didn't see you. That's it. So let me see if I can start talking like this. And <laughs> I, I've had so much Jomo lately because. <laughs> What's Jomo? Uh, joy of missing out. Joy of missing out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bye.